It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Let me stay on the topic of uh, weather because I've been taking a look at what's going to be happening weather-wise across the week because there's been much talk of summer finally arriving for this week and it's time for us to dust off the barbecues, get out the sunscreen, have your sunglasses uh, at the uh, ready because we had certainly a mixed bag when it came to the weather at the weekend. Saturday, I spent mo- much of Saturday in the in the city and it was an absolutely beautiful day and the sun was shining and a lot of people around the city and you know, there was concerts on and the match was on and you could see people were just in really, really good form and I was thinking of Donnerell Court in outside of Mallow where they were having the official opening. The house is now open for the first time in a generation. Saw some of the photographs online over the weekend. Truly stunning and well done to the OPW and everyone who was involved in getting this project off the ground because certainly for the last 25 odd years since I've been visiting Donnerail Park I've been walking past that house and bemoaning the fact that it wasn't open to the general public. So it's great to finally see it open to the public. So they got a glorious day for it. And then it kind of all changed yesterday. I actually don't think it it were, certainly where I was yesterday, I don't think it stopped raining once all day yesterday. It was just incessant rain all day long. So it's good to know that that's now behind us and we're looking at temperatures could go up and almost touch 30 degrees by the end of the week. For today, for example, they're saying temperatures 18 to 22 degrees. That's kind of normal for this. This is what you would be expecting at the end of June. And then it's going to build, getting warmer and gradually getting better, gradually getting hotter as we go through the week with exceptionally warm weather is what they're saying should be on our shores by Friday. Why are we getting all of this warm weather? It's to do with the hot air mass which is rising from North Africa and it's drifting across Europe. Now the continent this week anybody going on holidays to the continent this week are in for a real scorcher of a week. It actually sounds like it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable in some parts of the continent whereas here we're getting nice warm weather. It'll get warmer every day. Met Aaron are saying that the weather isn't completely settled. We can expect some thunderstorms, but majority of those thunderstorms are going to be isolated. Today and tomorrow, uh, temperatures, well, for today, 22 degrees could go to 25 degrees for by Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Thursday, getting up to anything up to 27 degrees. Friday, we're looking at 28 degrees. And as we head into the weekend, it could actually go close to just about touching 30 degrees. If you're lucky enough to be by the coast, 
coastal areas will be a little bit uh, cooler. But uh, certainly this summer looks like it is set to arrive this week and it's a little bit late arriving this week but we'll take it all the same 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text your WhatsApp 086 to 103 103 and it was a weekend for sporting achievements that's for sure and I can't start the programme without acknowledging and saying well done to young 22 year old James Suguru from Mallow who won the 124th British Amateur Championship uh, yesterday in Port Marnock and it was just a terrific or he won a, not yesterday it was on Saturday evening uh, wasn't it he is a four plus handicapper and he plays out of Mallow in North Cork and winning a competition that now opens up the world of golfing to him and he will go on to play in next month's British Open at Royal Port Rush. He'll play next year's US Masters at Augusta and he will also play next year's US Open at Winged Foot. It's an unbelievable opportunity for him and it's a name I think we're going to be talking about going into the future. He is a fine fine golfer so congratulations to James Suguru. If we can manage to track him down for a quick chat uh, we will. I'd, l- I'd love to talk to him just to wish him all the best and to say how very very proud everybody is of James uh, Suguru. and well done to everybody in Yall. Yesterday all eyes was at, were, were on Yall for the Ironman and while I was out, while I was up yet out about yesterday, looking at the weather forecast and looking at the way the day was and this incessant rain, I kept thinking of the was it something like two and a half thousand athletes coming from sixty different countries were in Yall for the Ironman competition, and they were out in that dreadful weather. It was so bad that the swim was cancelled, and that was due to rough tidal conditions. They were due to start the swim. I think it was about half six yesterday morning, but they cancelled that. So they took straight to straight onto the bikes. So at about 20 past seven yesterday morning, they took off. I think the pros took off in 30 second starts between them and off they went. And they did a 180 kilometre cycle. It was actually two loops of East Cork. <laughs> the other way, we're trying to think, how in God's name do people do these Ironman competitions? And I was thinking, I was watching the loop I was watching it on on social media and they showed the loop like and it was in this 90 kilometre cycle and you sort of you get to the end of the 90 kilometres and you have to do it all over again you're thinking oh my god I'm facing back into this again so you do a 180 kilometre cycle in very testing conditions with the rain that was there yesterday and then you jump off the bike and what do you do you run a marathon which was made up of four loops of Yall Town Centre and the Strand so well done to the two and a half thousand competitors. I meant to check in because John Paul was working at it. I meant to check in and did everybody actually finish the event because I know they gave initially when the swim was part of it as well. I think it was 14 hours. If people didn't finish after 14 hours and the organisers were going around the course saying to people you need to stop now. You've, you can't do a- any more. But congratulations to Alistair Brownlee. He was the British athlete who won the 2019 Cork uh, Ironman. Uh, Congratulations uh, to him. And he's a twice triathlon Olympian gold medal winner. And he's finished, he did it in seven hours and 44 minutes. It's just unreal. I was following an Irish gentleman by the name of Brian McChrystal. He's from uh, Dundalk. I think he came in 
second in seven hours, 49 minutes and 45 seconds. That's that's unreal. And congratulations. The women's race was won by a Swiss Swiss representative, Emma Bleham, and she did it in eight hours and 50 minutes and 18 uh, seconds. And the people of y'all must be congratulated. There's wonderful photographs on all of the papers today of people out in their rain gear and their umbrellas. And even with their rain gear and their umbrellas, I'd say most of them were soaked through to the skin. But it didn't deter them. They lined the streets of y'all. They cheered on each and every one of the two and a half thousand uh, athletes. And I heard the American compare and a man who's known as the voice of the Ironman. He's a, a guy by the name of Mike Riley. He was on the programme that John Paul was producing yesterday. And uh, he was saying that he'd never seen a community celebrate an event like he's, what he witnessed in y'all yesterday. And he said, said the sheer spirit of the spectators energised the athletes and he said that they'll be delighted to return here because of course y'all has, has been allocated the Ironman Cork for at least the next two years. So, um, you know, it was just a pity about the weather but I suppose there's nothing we can do about the weather if you're having an event in Ireland, you just have to put up with the fact that it may just rain. And indeed it did. So well done to everybody who was involved in the Ironman competition in both the athletes and the people who were involved in organising the event and all of the good people of you all in the surrounding areas who turned out to support all of the athletes. It was a very, very successful event. Now we, in a couple of minutes, are going to be looking at another event, sporting event that was happened over the weekend. And that's the Donegal International Rally. And unfortunately, we're going to be talking about it um, because of the sad news that one of the very experienced rally drivers a gentleman by the name of Manus uh, Kelly was killed during the international rally yesterday in uh, Donegal. So we remember, we will remember Manus Kelly on the programme uh, today. We're also going to be asking the question why the Cork Passport Office needs a printing machine. And I don't know are many people aware we have a passport office in Cork and we're delighted to have a passport office in Cork. But if you need to get a pass, an emergency passport the reason that you can't go to the passport office in Cork to collect it is they don't have a machine to print the passport. So if in the morning you need to get an emergency passport for whatever reason you need to get one and it does happen and people from the south do end up having to get emergency passports you have to get in your car on a a train or on a bus and head to Dublin and queue up at the Dublin passport office to actually physically pick the passport up. So that doesn't make any sense to a lot of people. So why can't? I think there's three printing machines in total. And I accept that the, they can't have a lot of these printing machines. They're costly uh, machines. But surely if we have a passport office in Cork, stick a printing machine in there that would cover, just cover the good people of Cork City and County. But it would do all of the South. It would be easier for somebody from Kerry, for example, to come to the passport office in Cork in the middle of an emergency to get a passport than to expect somebody from Kerry to have to go all the way to Dublin. So it could just could do the South and it would take pressure off the Dublin office uh, as well. So we're going to look at that issue today on the programme. Uh, we will be going live to Bandon this morning where Ashley Maloney will once again join us on the programme. This is my first time chatting to Ashley from her home in Bandon. Little her, she's mum of little Freya who we've been keeping a very close eye on for the last couple of weeks since she had to go to 
hospital in Dublin to have a tumour in her neck removed. It was only diagnosed about a month, five weeks ago at this stage and it's great to hear that little Freya is back home so we'll be catching up on that story uh, this morning. And it is Monday so that means Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, will be with us. She'll be answering all of your nutritional questions as we always do. You can get your questions in throughout the morning and we'll put it to Annalise when she joins us after half past 12 today. So that and your thoughts and comments welcomed throughout the morning 1850-333-103 text WhatsApp 
That's music from Queen on C103 and I want to break free. We spoke in the programme last week about antisocial behaviour and that led to some people talking about young people and we did emphasise that not all young people get involved in antisocial behaviour but now that we're into the summer holidays a lot of young people have a lot of time on their hands and that can and does lead to antisocial behaviour and then of course the question that comes up every time parental responsibility do parents know where their children are do they trust their young people when they're saying they're going to so-and-so's house are they really going to so-and-so's house do they put any checks in place to make sure that they know so if you have a young person do you know at all times do you know exactly where they are because at the weekend and I thought it was really interesting to see it was the police service in Northern Ireland they issued a warning and it was for the Fermanagh area so it was the PSNI in Fermanagh they issued a warning about a group of young people and alcohol abuse now it seems what happened was there was a large group now they they were teenagers they were drunk and then they started fighting with each other and it was in the Carrick area of Fermanagh and somebody at the PSNI in Fermanagh was so sick and tired of being called out trying to break up these young people fighting trying to find out you know who they were where they were living and half of them were so drunk that they got to the stage that they put up a Facebook post and it called on parents and it said get out of your house and come and get your children now there was just so many young people and they were all underage they were all uh, teenagers but I just thought I've never seen it happen certainly on Garda Siakona have they ever issued a notice like that actually put it up on a Facebook post or up on a Twitter account that obviously the PSNI were so sick and tired of this group in Carrick and I'm assuming it possibly wasn't a first time maybe it's an area where young people congregate and they get drink and bush drinking and I know people will say almost a rite of passage didn't we all do it as teenagers isn't it part of growing up that people get their hands on on alcohol. But I'm assuming if the police were putting that up on a Facebook post, they must have just been getting completely out of hand and they were just trying to say to the parents, do you know where your children are? And if not, get out of your house and get your children now. Tributes have been paid after an experienced rally driver, Manus Kelly, father of five, was killed during the final day of the Donegal International Rally held at the weekend. Joining me, our motor sports reporter, uh, Martin Walsh. Good morning to you, Martin. Morning. Um, you're welcome to the programme. Now, firstly, you knew uh, Manus uh, Kelly. What, what kind of a guy was he? How, how would you describe him? Well, as, as a rally competitor, he was a terrific guy. But as a person, he was full of personality. And, you know, interviewing all these drivers at the end of the stages, you get to know a lot of their personality. And he was bubbly and bouncy. And he was very honest as well in his assessment of how he drove or how the car reacted or whatever. And, you know, that that to a journalist is great as well because he doesn't hide anything but he was hugely popular here in Donegal because he was the first ever Donegal driver to win the rally three times in a row and only two drivers other than that have won that rally three times and that's John Lyons in the start of the thing in 1972 and the legendary Billy Coleman and you know last year which, which, which was his third win which man is his third win that was the first time in 30 years since Billy had won the event three times. So, And ironically, uh, in his first win in 2016, he beat uh, Keith Cronin from Ballylickie. Oh, goodness. And so he would know those roads very well. 
Absolutely, and it is so ironic in the lead-up to the rally that he named that stage as his favourite rally stage, and I suppose that probably stemmed from the fact in 2016 that he won the rally. Entering the rally, he was nine seconds down on Keith Cronin. Now, he had a much more powerful car at the time, a Subaru WRC compared to Keith Citroen, the S3 R5, and he had the fastest time on the stage to win the rally by a half a second. Now, if you put that into context, half a second over 20 stages over three days you know a click of your finger and mm. that's it you know Do we know at this stage what happened? Um, I've been speaking to people and uh, apparently it happened on a section of road which is relatively straight but had a series of little bumps now not crests and you know as other rally drivers would describe them but one of these very seasoned campaigners told me we described it as choppy and apparently the car got out of line on one of these bumps and hit the grass and then went through a hedge, hit a small bank inside in the field and then the car propelled over and ended up on all four wheels. <coughs> and the co-driver, um, Donald Barrett, do we know how he is? Donald is in hospital, but Donald actually got out of the car and bearing in mind as well that the car was well below the road and it wasn't seen by the next competitor that had passed and Donald managed to get up onto the road and stop the next competing car and then the emergency services were deployed to the area. But at the same time, the rally competitors, all of them are tracked by a system and obviously they they saw that car stopped and yeah. when that happens, the people at base ring the co-driver and if they get no response, then the emergency services are deployed and that came at the same time and apparently as well, there was a spectator who rang the emergency services, so they were there as quickly as possible, but sadly, it, it was too late. And then, of course, as we know, then the, the rally was uh, called off. Donegal people, and, you know, Manus included, love the rally driving. And, and they love rallying as a support, as, as, as a sport. So when I heard this happen yesterday, I just thought, oh my goodness, the effect that this is going to have on people locally. Yeah, and the community here... They absolutely adore Manus. I've seen that, and I mean, I've seen the victory in 2016 and how they responded. And I mean, I've seen many wins in, in Donegal and how people are take, you know, how people take to the winner. But the scenes in 2016 were absolutely unbelievable. But it's it's a rally mad county, as you say. But you know, it's also worth noting that there was about 75,000 people at this rally over the weekend. You know, it's a huge event in the Irish motorsport calendar, and indeed, it's also the only three-day rally in Ireland. And another sign of how popular Manus was, he was only very recently elected as a local councillor. He ran for the Fianna Fáil party in the local elections. That's right. I remember actually at the Easter rally uh, in Antrim in a few months ago, we were staying in the same hotel and we were joking about the whole thing and joking about Fianna Fáil and everything. But <clears throat> he was actually looking forward to a life in the political arena in Donegal where, or in Letterkenny where, you know, he was certainly was going to make a great contribution because he's very interested in community and, you know, speaking to people, you know, in the last few hours as well. That has come true. Like, he was a very, very popular guy. He wanted what was best for the area. I mean, he, apart from all, he's a great businessman as well. So, you know, the community absolutely adored him, but mm. the rally people held him in such high esteem because he was so popular and bouncy and, and everything. You know, he's a very personable driver, you know. Yeah, I mean, as you say, he was a, 
a self-employed a businessman. He employed like 60 people in Letterkenny. 60 people is a lot of people for a town the size of uh, Letterkenny. And I know I heard Michal Martin talk about him being a great fundraiser and advocate for the Letterkenny University uh, Hospital. So a much, much loved uh, community man. And let's not forget, he leaves behind his wife, Bernie. Five children, the youngest of which is only two, Martin. That's- that's right. Yeah, it, it is oh, so God. sad. I mean, I've met some of those children and in Killarney when he won um, two years ago as well. You know, all the family were with him at the rally finish in the Eagle Hotel. But, you know, ironically, this accident comes at a time when safety in modern day rally cars at its highest. You know, they, they're side impact cars, there's ramp around seats and devices. And these cars are, I've seen cars crashing much, much worse than people walk away from what, you know, despite, you know, and then yesterday this happens and, you know, when you look at the car, it wasn't that badly damaged, but unfortunately you know, he, he lost his life on a stage which he loved. And will his death, will it affect any future rallies? I don't know, I suppose that's up to Motorsport Ireland to make a call, but uh, I remember a number of years ago um, like, there is a rally due to take place in Waterford next weekend, the fifth round of the Triton Showers National Rally Championship, but the last time something like this happened a number of years ago, uh, a number of the top drivers just didn't compete. They just didn't feel they had the stomach for it. And I suppose it's up to the governing body now within the next 24 hours to make a decision one way or the other, you know. OK, and there's a very, very sad uh, funeral uh, over the next coming days for the community of the, the rally community as well as as the family. Oh, it, it is indeed because, you know, the rally community, you know, they're... It's it's very much a tour of Ireland for you know every second weekend, and sometimes nearly every weekend, and it's a very close family. Everybody knows each other, and while there's a tremendous rivalry, there's a tremendous bond as well between everybody. Okay, listen, we appreciate you taking time to talk to us, uh, Martin. Thank you for that. Morning. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Martin Walsh, who is our the C103 Motor Sport reporter on that very, very sad news of the weekend of the death of Manus Kelly. Once again, we offer our deepest, deepest sympathies to his wife, Bernie, and to their five young uh, children. Uh, may Manus uh, rest in peace. With the holiday season upon us, there will inevitably be some people who will find themselves in need of an emergency passport, either through loss or the passport suddenly going out of date. While we have a passport office in Cork, many will be unaware that the office has no facility for printing passports. Fianna Fáil, Cork North West Deputy Andreas Moynihan joins me to outline why he feels that that printing facility is necessary here in uh, Cork. Good morning to you, Andreas. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome. Has it always been the case that the Cork office has not been able to print a passport? That's right, yes. There's um, there's three printing uh, machines in the country and they're all based in, in Dublin in the passport office and uh, another office that they have in Balbriggan. And Cork doesn't have uh, the printing facility. It's the only one that doesn't have it. And I think it should be possible to have the full range of services available in the Cork office and that the Cork that all of the passport offices will be on an equal footing. And I think that would make a big difference to people who in the event of an emergency uh, that they don't have to be uh, racing across the, the country for a passport and then coming back to Cork because if you imagine uh, somebody's injured on holiday and you know, a family needs to go out to them. They're going to be going to, you know, they, they've most likely flown out of Cork already to Spain or wherever it is. And the family will be probably flying out on the, 
the same kind of flight. So instead of racing up and down across the country uh, for to get a passport uh, and costing extra time uh, on them as well, an extra day to get a printer, that it, if there was a full uh, range of services available in Cork, because they be do they do everything else at the Cork office except print. That's right. Yeah, they, they you can you can make your application there. The Cork office is actually very focused on UK passports mm. at present. It's because of Brexit. That's right. It's the way they've distributed the load there. But it would be hugely important for to have balanced regional development. That it wouldn't be all east coast. That the south and people from Munster and the south would be able to get full range of services in their own region and if they want to be able to fly in and out of Shannon or Cork or wherever it is, that they would be able to, to support local and to have, uh, a, that there would be a more uh, a counterbalance to the East Coast that that, um, that Cork would have the full range of services as well. And what is the thinking behind only printing all the passports in Dublin? It's difficult to say because it seems to have been the way for always almost uh, it's not um, it's not a, a new development and uh, like maybe when there was one or two machines there that they might have had it for security or something but you know it should be possible to have one in each of the offices so that the full range of services can be available to people in that region um, it would put every place on an equal footing and if you imagine uh, we want to grow the wider Cork region and the south of the country as a counterbalance to Dublin. Uh, there's increased traffic going through Cork Airport. There's 2.1 million in 2015, and that's up now to 2.4 million people travelling through there last year. And most of that travel is to non-UK destinations. So people want to be able to, to use the, the airport local and uh, want to be able to, you know... It's a busy region. We want to be to be growing it, and we should have, where possible, um, the services available. And that's what I was asking the the minister. He has machines. He has them all based in the one place. Could he not move one of the three machines into Cork and ensure that there would be uh, more of a balance across the country? Okay, and I'm interested to hear you say that because when I was trying to look up the price of one of these machines, according to the Department of Foreign Affairs, a new printing machine would cost 1.7 million. Euro. So you're not saying buy a new one for Cork? There's, there's no need. There are machines already in place, three of them um, uh, based in two, two places in Dublin. Uh, there's no need to be going out buying an extra one. Uh, as the Minister has outlined, the machines that are there are, you know, even that there is increased demand, that there is capacity uh, with the machines that are there and just to move one of those into the Cork office so that Cork would have Cork would be on an equal footing and would be able to offer the same full range of services to people in Cork but also across Munster and across the south of the country and have a balanced regional development. But no joy when you brought it up with the Minister when you asked him? Uh, no satisfaction on it yet. There's a there's a, a battle ahead on it all the time. Okay. Um, I've asked them to about a review on it, and while there would often be uh, reviews conducted of staffing levels needed for passports uh, with busy holiday season, that um, they, they, I don't believe that they've looked at uh, reviewing the where, where the machines should be, and that that's where where my focus is uh, with the minister. Look, can he take a look at? what would be involved in it and uh, the benefit it would have to the southern region. Um, and, you know, that, that, that's where, that that's where he should focus. Again, the machine is already, there's three of them there. Um, 
it should be possible, I would have said, to, to move one. Put one in each, yeah. yeah. Put one yeah. in each. And I suppose while, while we're on the, the topic of passports, Andreas, it is a timely reminder to people to check their passports to make sure that they are still in date. That's right. Uh, pe- people run into difficulty with passports for any number of reasons that the, the expiring date might have crept up or maybe that in, for some destinations that you need a longer time after your journey for you know for, before the passport expires but also in the event of emergencies somebody else could be involved in an incident abroad and that family member needs to go to them and that they need to quickly get a passport so you could have any number of situations arising but um if you are planning a holiday it is yeah it is one of the essentials to check the passport and the the online renewal service is the fastest way for renewing passports. Um, it's they're talking about a, a ten day, uh, ten working day turnaround on those. That's an average figure, so it could be plus or minus uh, a week on it. Um, but it is important that if you are planning any journey, to to make sure to check well in advance that you do have the the time on the passport. Yeah, um, yeah. That online, I know. Certainly, we've had people contact us here trying to get passports, and the, the, we've we've heard of people get the online one back in five working days. They've had it back, but that's okay if times if you've got time in your hands that, uh, when, right. when, when you're not that, desperately in need of a passport for tomorrow. That's, it's 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 the emergencies. That that's right. And if you, if you recall, if people are getting it back in five days, the figures, the official figure is an average. Yeah. So if you're getting it in five somebody else is on the other side of that yeah, yeah. up at closer to 20. So, you know, you, the, the average figures is what they've given. So, but certainly, certainly that online system is working the way you, is, can, yes. you can take the photograph at home and, and all of that and, and it is working. But it doesn't suit everybody. Not everybody is tech savvy. Not everyone has access to, to computers. Yeah, the, the online renewal, uh, it, it's biggest advantages for renewals but then if you're dealing with having to to get a passport for the first time yeah you can it's an emergency um or as you say if not everybody may not have broadband available to them it's a it's a major issue and that uh, people want to be able to support and post as well yeah and do their business through uh, the post office yeah yeah um so um the on post express we're hearing is taking up to 15 working days again this is an average mm. so while some people will get it quicker, others will get it and will be waiting some time. But the new passport is often the, the slowest uh, because there will be and all of the workers in the, in the checking in the background having to verify somebody's identity and so on, especially if it's a child. Yeah, a listener wants to know, can you renew a passport online if it's out of date, date both a child's passport and an adult's passport? You should be able to on the, yeah. on the online renewals. Yeah, because um, once you have a passport and the passport number kicks in, then then you can do it online. So, yeah, I, don't, I couldn't foresee any reason why an out-of-date one. Yeah, the, the online renewal is the, is the fastest, but broadband isn't available uh, in every, in yeah, every home. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, when you're going for a first-time passport as well, um, you have to, to fill in the forms and get that verified by the Garda. Um, and... Getting, getting it stamped by the Garda and having both people present can often be a, b- a bit of a challenge okay. if you're looking for the passport for a child but then you're looking at facing towards a, a 24-hour guard station like McCroom for to be able to get that stamped uh, because it's, uh, it, it can be more difficult that some of the guard stations are the guard will be out around or 
that'll be hard be to get the somebody on. Uh, and someone else is asking about the new passport cards. Did anybody ever get the new passport card and how are they working out? I, well, I can put my hand up and answer that one because I got one of them. I was renewing my passport and I decided I'd go for one of the cards as well just to have it. And it works just like your passport. It's just that you've got a little, it's like a credit card. That's right. And there's a discount on the card when you're buying it with yeah. the full passport. Yeah. You can get two for a uh, hundred. That's right. Two for a hundred. Yeah. It, it works within the EU. Only. So it, it's very, very useful having it, especially for people who may be travelling beyond the EU uh, where they may have to hand in their passport uh, some weeks in advance if you're travelling to the to the Middle East or wherever. Oh, I, I hadn't thought about that, you, that. Yeah, you still have your your other passport that you can operate away within the okay. within the EU. But within the EU, it's a it's a very positive development because you can use it as an ID card or as a passport and keep operating away with it. And you can get the two at the same time and get a discounted rate. Okay. On. And somebody's come in to answer the question on the out of date one says yes. If your passport is out of date less than five years, then you can renew online and that's both for adults and children. And that sounds like it's coming from somebody who's had to do it recently. Thank you for that. Um okay Andreas, but you're not giving up on the ghost on trying to get the printing machine into Cork. No, I I, I believe that the should Cork should be on an equal footing. Uh, we're going to have a counterbalance to the East Coast and balance regional development that every region should be able to get the services where possible in their own area. And there are three printers. There's one above and uh, there's only one office that doesn't have them. And I'm going to keep after the, the minister on it to okay. see if there is some way that he can transfer one of those and have the full range of services. It will be a big benefit to people in the south, especially in the event of an emergency. Keep us updated on that. Thank you for that, um, Andreas. And uh, thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. That is Cork Northwest Dull, Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy Andreas Moynihan on passports and the fact that we can't print them in Cork. As I say, I don't think a lot of people were aware of that when, when people thought we had a passport office in Cork. Surely we must be able to print. We're not. OK, some of your thoughts coming in reacting to... Margaret, wasn't it, who was on to us bright and early this morning from McCroom, who wanted to start by saying well done to the Cork footballers and she thought it was a great display of football on Saturday night but she felt they would have won if the referee had been fair. And she felt it wasn't very fair play from the ref. There are a number of people agreeing with Margaret, including a WhatsApper says, referee was a pure joke. It's just like last year. Kerry got freeze for nothing and Cork got nothing for blatant fouling happens every year it is nothing new says a WhatsApp or no name on that Hi Patricia the refereeing was poor but Cork should have scored at least three more goals poor decision making by by some of the forwards that's from Mike and Hi Patricia says another texter I actually agree with Margaret the ref was atrocious 27 frees for Kerry, 11 for Cork. When a Cork player was fouled, he gave a Cork two. When the Cork player was fouled, the ref actually gave a free to uh, Kerry. It wasn't very fair. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. John by Texas. Hi, Patricia. I've heard that you cannot tow a trailer with an electric car. Uh, Surely these cars are no good, says uh, John. Well, technically you're incorrect. You can tow a trailer with an electric car, but there's only one type of electric car on sale that's approved 
for towing. And that's the Tesla Model X SUV. And it actually can tow a substantial amount over 2,000 kgs. So actually a large caravan. It could actually tow as well as a trailer. But the other cars are not suitable for towing. I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's something that's going to change. But at the moment, the only model approved for towing is the uh, Tesla Model X SUV. Thank you for your text, uh, John. Let me go to the comment line where Mary's in Kilbehany this morning. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Mary, a bit of a cautionary tale about your son and he got caught speeding. Tell us what happened. Yes, uh, the, the summons says uh, he was driving at a speed of 94 kilometres, and they, which in Karakuna, where the speed van is usually parked. Now, we will always call that road the N8, but it's now apparently called the N73. And he was caught on the 13th of June, which was last Thursday week, at 15.27. Now, as you, that zone along there is 100 kilometres. Hmm. So we've driven it. I'm driving it all my life, <clears throat> as you know. And uh, <clears throat> it's 100 kilometres. As you come out of Mitchellstown, it's 100 kilometres right along there until you come on then to the roundabout and then you're down coming to Kilbehenny and you're the 80, 60, 50. But it's 100 kilometres along that road. Now, I would be wondering how many more people were caught on that same day um, this speed detection van, do they set their speeds? I would be wondering, was it set at 90 that day instead of 100? I don't know. It's 100 kilometres along that road and the alleged offence is driving at a speed of 94. And are they saying driving at a speed of 94 in an 80 kilometre zone? They, it is alleged that an offence has been committed driving at a speed of 94 kilometres exceed ordinary speed limit general applicable to certain vehicles. Country to section forty-seven, you know, as uh, yeah, yeah, it gets uh, right. It gets, it gets involving the driving or use of a mechanically propelled vehicle, such a registration number. And he was driving a normal car. Uh, to, uh, well, it is a jeep that he drives. It's a jeep, okay, yeah, yeah. And the N seventy-three, which of course I took to be the Mallow Road, but apparently now the N eight is called the N seventy-three. Yeah, Caracona, Mitchellstown. At fifteen twenty-seven hours on the thirteenth of June. Okay, did did he go into a guard station with it to question it? No, no, but, no. You rang his wife. Rang this particular number that's on this uh, um, uh, summons. summons. Yeah, and um, they told her it's up to them to prove that this is incorrect and to download such a thing. So she apparently she has downloaded that. This only came in the post. So hang on, it's, it's, it's up to your son to prove yes. that he wasn't speeding. It's up, it's up to him it's, to prove that that's a 100 kilometre zone. It's up to him to prove it, yes. <sighs> and you have 28 days to pay your 80 euro and you'll get your three penalty points. And yeah. then if it goes over that, it's 120. Yeah, minutes. yeah, yeah, absolutely, but absolutely. But your But your point is that um, obviously he's going to prove it because he knows the road well and he knows he was under the the speed limit but you you reckon there could be other people who would well, just have paid it I, but sure if I was back around Mallow or anywhere else and I got this thing a week and a half and afterwards in the post I'm not going to know gosh I wonder was that a hundred or was yeah, it ninety yeah good point so how many more good illegal point. summonses are out there that's a good point because I, I know I know exactly the stretch of road you're talking yes. about so I would know that that was a hundred kilometres yes. zone but if I was in an area I would have thought, oh God, that must have been 80 and I missed the sign that said 80. So I would just pay up the money. And that's the point.
find I yeah. would be making And too. it's the penalty points. Whatever about it's tough enough paying the fine. But, the but it's the penalty points. points and yep. they'll catch you with the insurance on the penalty yep. points. So how many more people are being caught and how many more people were caught that particular yeah. day yeah. at that particular time? Because it is a relatively busy road. I know it's just up from the M8 but the motorway but it's a relatively busy road. So how many more people were caught on the And that day? speed van is often there. Very often there. Mm. Very, very often. And like we're driving it all our lives and every single day and we know that it's a hundred. As you come out of Mitchellstown it's a hundred. And on along there it's a hundred and um but ninety four kilometers. Yeah, he's hundred. So. I often think when I see a speed van parked in that spot and and similar spots to that, I often think they're trying to catch people who are coming off the motorway who have been travelling at 120 kilometres, which they're entitled to do. And it's almost like fishing in a barrel. It's a good wide stretch of road that people might just get a bit complacent to think, oh, you know, it's a safe enough road to be travelling. And they've been doing 120, you know, eye off the ball for a second and suddenly they're doing 110 or 115 and you'll pass the van and, you, and you'll be caught. I but anyway, your son was under and that's the most important thing. 94, okay. it's Listen. down here, 94, but it's up to him to prove it. And it was 1527 hours, which was just close to half three and the 13th of June, which is last Thursday week. Okay. I would be wondering, are there other people? Other, yeah, anyone else? And, uh, the, and when did that arrive? When did you get oh, it? Oh gosh, I only got it from him on Saturday. It must have arrived maybe... Thursday or Friday of last week so anyone who did uh, because obviously he wasn't the only one that they were they were clocking that day that to be other have a check if if you were on that particular stretch of road and you got caught and you were under the 100 kilometre then you don't you you don't need to pay that fine but you can't ignore it either you're you're going to have to challenge it will you will you come back to us and let us know how your son get on I'd be interested to hear how 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 it works out okay Okay, no problem no problem and hi to everybody in Kilbehenny thank you for that that's Mary 1850 We were talking about passports. And in Blarney, says her daughter uh, travels quite a lot, I'm assuming for business and work. So she's all over the world. And uh, the tips that she offers when it comes to passports, she would, Anne's daughter would always say to anyone make sure that your passport is not due to run out in six months. So when you're getting close to the renewal date, when you know your renewal date is six months away, then you need to start uh, renewing. Also, when travelling, Anne's daughter always has a photograph of her passport with her and she will leave a photocopy of her passport at home with somebody else. That's a nice uh, trick. And if you use the card renewing online, it can be easier uh, also. Oh, they're the new passport cards. Because the new passport cards, by the way, are the ones that you can only use in the EU. They're only five years. You get 10 years on your main passport. Well, when I applied for the passport and they had this offer to say, did I want to get the card as well? So I decided I'd test the system and I'd go for the card as well. So for slightly cheaper I think for 30 euro I got the card as well as my passport so the passport arrived separately passport arrived and then a couple of days later my card arrived but it was only when my card arrived and I saw the date on it the card will become invalid in five years 
Now, does that mean in five years' time I can just renew the card? I don't know. I'll get back to you on that one. But just to make people aware of that. But leaving a copy of your photo, of your passport at home, bring one with you just in case you lose it abroad. Have At least you'll have a copy of it with you, you know, if you're getting onto the consulate and you're trying to get a new one sorted out. But to have one left at home as well is not a bad idea. Antoinette in the city said the speed limit was he towing a trailer as if he was... oh. Towing a trailer, the speed limit is only 80 kilometres. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'll have to get back on to, we'll get John Paul to check that out. I don't know. And I, I should have, he was driving a Jeep. I don't know if he was, we'll get back on to Mary and ask if he was towing a trailer. Because if you're towing a trailer, according to Antoinette in the city, then the speed limit is 80 kilometres, even in a 100 kilometre zone. Oh, I was unaware of that. 1850-333-103. John Paul continues to take your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. A minibus driver is wanted to cover a school run from now until the end of July. D licence drivers card and guard of vetting all essential. Experienced roofers are required for Glanmire. You must have your own tools and your own transport. Taxi drivers with at least two years experience required for work in Cork City. While Kalekill Childcare they're looking for a preschool teacher slash room leader 35 hours per week. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Now we're going to go to the comment line where John is in uh, Castletown Road. Good morning, John. Good morning, Patricia. Now, John, you want to raise the issue of the price of oil at the moment and what versus what we're paying at the pumps. Yes, Patricia, because uh, looking around at the different filling stations over the last couple of weeks, uh, the price of uh, petrol is varying between uh, 146 to almost 150 a litre and diesel between 134 to 138.9. Now, the price of oil, even allowing for all the kerfuffle that's going on in the Straits of Hormuz with the Iranians and the uh, American standoff, uh, it's hovering between around $62 a barrel, which is down from $78 a barrel. And how come the price of that drop hasn't been reflected in the price of petrol and diesel at the pumps? But, but any time we look into this, um, John, and I know an obvious one is Conor Faulkner from the AA, because they monitor the price of uh, petrol month on month. And any time I put that to Conor, you know, somebody will never bring in and say, price of a barrel of oil is down, why are we not seeing it? He always says that it takes about three weeks to a month for the price to hit the pumps. Yeah, well, that time uh, has elapsed uh, at this stage and there's still no uh, reflection uh, on that at the price of the pump. So, I mean, uh, but the opposite is the case. When the price goes up, it doesn't take a month for it to go up in price. So, I mean, they mm. have it both ways. Yeah, that, yeah, that I have to say, that is very frustrating that they seem to be able to put it up much quicker than what they bring it down. So you reckon we're being ripped off? Well, it, it would appear uh, so because uh, we've only got one oil refinery here in, in, in Whitegate down in, in, in the, the coast of, of Cork, which is owned by Irving Oil, uh, a private family uh, company from uh, um, Canada. And uh, uh, if, if the price of 
the oil uh, is stable on the international markets, there is no reason why that shouldn't be reflected because uh, my big worry is that we've been uh, being prepared for uh, carbon taxes in the budget in early October and if the carbon tax is going to be based on the present base price, uh, it's going to be very expensive fuel coming into the winter. Can you see us all driving electric cars? Well, I mean, uh, look, uh, the theory of it is fine, but... Um, the reality? Let, let, let's, see, let's see the reality of yeah. the situation. I mean, we're facing fines of one and a half million uh, euro uh, a day if we don't comply. I mean, the younger generations, uh, in fairness, don't seem to be driving the issue, this issue. The, the older generation, it is a case of what we have, we hold. And I mean, you look at here in... in, in uh, uh, I can only judge from Knock. Cork, I mean, we had a railway line going from Mella to Rosslare and it closed in 1967 and there was no alternative um, uh, put in its place. So, I mean, uh, I'm 10 miles from Mallow. I'm the equivalent from Fermoye and 18 from Mitchellstown. So, if I have to, to buy the necessities of, of life other than when I can get to my local stores in Castletown Road, what do I get from A to B? Okay. All right. Listen, thank you for that, uh, John. Uh, good food for thought. But you, certainly I think a lot of people will agree with you on the, on the price of petrol and everybody wants to see it coming down, uh, but it's not. Listen, we leave it there. Thanks, John. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks uh, for joining us. And Heidi has an interesting one that she sent on to us. It's a, it's a piece that she sent on of uh, a newspaper clipping of a teen who was kicked out of class for claiming that there were only two genders and it's a a 17 year old Scottish student claims he was told to leave his class after saying that there were only two genders he ended up having a kind of a spat with his teacher Um, and the teacher was saying that his opinion is not very inclusive when they were discussing different genders in the classroom and this 17 year old felt that there are only two genders male and female teachers seemed to disagree with him and saying you're not being very inclusive and then he got asked to leave the classroom over his opinions Heidi says if this is happening to a school to a Scottish in a Scottish school to a boy of 17 just for having an opinion of his uh, own. Something we work towards, surely, when we educate our young people for the future. We educate them to have opinions of their own. But it looks like you can't have your own opinion if it doesn't conform to those politically correct groups, which is so wrong. I try to keep up with news, as you will know, uh, and I see there is a rugby player in Australia I think voiced his beliefs as he's a Christian and now he's in a big fight to get back into the game he loves. It's sad that people are now frightened uh, in even having their own opinions, says Heidi. I think the Australian story you're talking about, though, I think that's more homophobic comments were made rather than now whether the rugby player is claiming he made them because of his Christian beliefs. But what I heard about those was it's they're homophobic and he's actually running a big campaign to get the money to fight the case. So he's a lot of people on his side as well, but he's got a lot of people who are against the views that, that he was actually making. 1850 Somebody wants to know how, when we were mentioning Donnerwell Court earlier, Patricia, do you know if Donnerwell Court is run by the OPW? Yes, it is run by the OPW. We did an interview about it actually last week in advance of it opening and it's open to the public. I think 
think it's from 10 in the morning until um, late afternoon. It's only for the summer at the moment. It's open seven days a week at the moment. Obviously, they've done the actual house itself. It's not going to be opened in the winter months. The parks are open in the winter months, but certainly they're not going to have staff on to staff it all year round. So it's going to be a summer a summer house that people can go and see at the moment. Now, whether they'll extend that or not, I don't know. Keep your questions coming in for Annalise Drissel. Annalise will be joining us after half past 12, answering all of your nutritional questions. So if you have a nutritional question for Annalise, get it in now to 1850-333-103 or you can text to 0862-103-103. And just on passports, morning Patricia, you've been discussing passports on the programme this morning. We have, um, it's a great, uh, copying, as was suggested by one of your listeners, your passport is a great idea, but another one is to take a photo on your phone and email it to yourself. That way, if everything gets lost, you'll still have access to your email from any device and you'll have a copy of your passport. That's smart thinking from Jerry. And we are looking for advice, please. A listener has sent in a gorgeous photograph on WhatsApp of a delightful birdhouse, like a wooden birdhouse that they have in their garden and this gorgeous little fairy figures outside. It really looks quite sweet. But when you look into the birdhouse, the little opening, the round hole that you would expect the birds to be flying in and out of, you can clearly see the bees have been very busy and the bees have nested in the bird house. So a listener is looking for advice as to what to do with a nest of bees. Now I don't know because it's come in by WhatsApp. I don't know where the listener is texting from. Normally what happens when we get reports of a beehive we normally will get a beekeeper a local beekeeper. We say to everyone do not attempt to touch it yourself. Do not try to remove it yourself. Is it definitely bees? It's not wasps. It looks, it's hard to see, but it does look like bees, but it could equally be wasps. But if it is bees, normally what happens is a local beekeeper from the area will be only too happy to come out and remove it for you. If it's possible to remove it, I I don't know. Does the lid come off that bird box? But certainly do not try to remove it yourself. So uh, if anyone can offer advice, uh, what do we do? Is it is it a local beekeeper that this lady or gentleman is looking for to remove it? I knew you can go through pest control. If it's if it's a wasp nest pest, you're going to have to call in pest uh, control. Anyway, 1850 if anybody can advise on what the listeners should do with bees nesting in her bird's house. Interested also, you may have heard this, we're running it on our news bulletin this morning. It's the spending on First Holy Communions. First Holy Communion season is now past and it's hit an eight-year high. And one of those things, how do you know the good times are back? The bouncy castles are back in the garden for the First Holy Communion. So there's been a rise in the amount of money that little boys and girls are making for their first Holy uh, Communion and families themselves are spending more. They're spending almost a thousand euro on average for the day out for the First Holy Communion. This is the Ulster Bank. They do this communion, First Holy Communion survey. They do it every year. The children themselves, on average, 600 euro, with some of our First Holy Communicants getting as much as 800 euro each. This is, you know, the money the money we all got as children. And we did all get money for First Holy Communion. And we did all look forward to getting money as a First Holy Communion. But the amount that children are getting today is it only me or does it seem a little bit immoral? We're talking about what are First Holy Communions? They're, they're eight-year-olds, aren't they? They make it in second class now. 
I mean, an eight-year-old child been given six hundred euro, or some of them been given eight hundred euro. Crazy, crazy amount of money. Now, there's a breakdown on how the parents got the money and how the parents spent the money. Firstly, and this is good, the majority of parents said they funded the day out. This is the almost thousand euro that it cost. They did it out of their own savings. So that certainly is good news. One in ten did have to get a little bit of help from uh, family family members and just under one-fifth of the parents said that the children themselves actually contributed to the cost of the day. So they took the money. They knew that the child was going to make about €600. Euro, so if they spent €1,000, they might have taken back 300 back from the children to say, I'll have that because the day cost uh, so much. There was also, unfortunately, a proportion of people who did go and borrowed money, which always worries me that people are borrowing that kind of money for a day out. Now, on the day out, how was how, what did the breakout come, come in at? Close. €218 was the average that was paid on the little boy or the little girl. I'm assuming higher on the little girl than the little boy, but maybe I'm wrong on that. And that's gone up 35% than what families were spending last year. And then other family members, around €200 to kit out the rest of the family. On the food, this is the, uh, the, the food and the drinks for the after communion party that came in at a little over €350. And then there was ancillary costs for the little girl, makeup and hair. Makeup. Go to the hairdresser, yeah, but do you put makeup on on eight-year-olds? I'm I'm really losing touch here. Uh, On average, it's about uh, €41, and that was gone up uh, slightly. Then the entertainment for the children, the likes of hiring the bouncy castle. Uh, The spend on that was down a little bit, but on average, it was about 119 was what families spent. They either hired a bouncy castle. Some actually hired in entertainers who would come in like clowns and face painters and people to do balloon art with the children. So about 119 uh, was spent on uh, that. Um, Four out of ten parents say there was a pressure to have the big day uh, out and that is less than what it was last year. Last year, half of the parents felt that they were under pressure because of all the other mums and dads were doing it because everybody else was doing it. They didn't want their child to lose out. So for that reason, they went ahead with the big day out. The average amount of money received then by the children themselves, that is also up on last year. Last year, the average was 558. It's gone up to 617. But a quarter of the families surveyed said that their sons and daughters received more than 800 euro. They don't give the top figure a quarter saying they got more than €800 each. Then obviously they were asked, what are the children spending that kind of money on? Now, they're eight-year-olds. So obviously, toys was the biggest expenditure and and you would expect, expect that. That was followed then by clothes, followed by computer games, books, were fourth on the list of the priorities. And Communion Day is traditionally the first time that children will receive a significant amount of uh, money. Most of the parents surveyed did accept and did say that they thought the child received too much money for the age that they were at. Girls, by the way, and I don't know what the reason for this is, but girls traditionally receive more money than boys. And it came out again in this survey. Why do people give more money to girls than boys? I don't know what the theory on that one is. Nine out of ten who took part in the survey said they spoke to their child 
about the first Holy Communion money and about the money that they would receive and they spoke to them about how they might spend it. Most parents spoke to the child before they got to the church ceremony with a third waited until shortly afterwards when all the money was in then sitting down to have the conversation what are we now going to do with this money? The vast majority of respondents say some of the money their children received from the First Holy Communion will be put into a savings account in their own name. Around a quarter of those making their First Holy Communion this will be the first time though that they have a saving account for the others, the, the three quarters, they already have a saving account. Maybe it was one that was opened when they were born or when they're christening. And that they, some of them are actually in the habit of putting, when they get money for their birthdays or when they get money for Christmas, they put it into their little savings account. I think this, you know, never too young, I think, to get children into that whole habit of uh, saving. But it's just, it's the amount of money both what's spent on the day even though some people would say look it's a nice opportunity to get family together and I was at I have to say uh, back in May I was at a family First Holy Communion and it was a lovely day out and it was lovely to meet up with other family members you know whatever it is when you're scattered all around you don't always get to particularly if you don't live close by your family you don't get to see them every day so you need occasions it's a pity that we always need to have occasions but you need occasions to get together away from the traditional weddings and funeral ones. So I think the communions and the confirmations have kind of taken over from that a little bit and it is nice to meet up with family. But, you know, but do we have to spend a huge amount of money on it? Do we have to expect the family to be shelling out, you know, what, what was the, for the for 350 odd euro for the food and the drinks? Could you spend less? I suppose it depends on, how, on what size family or how many you're having or where are you going? Are you going for a slap up, sit down meal? Are you doing it at home? I, I, I tell you, I personally, and I think it works out much cheaper as well. And I think a lot of families do this as well is if you're getting a family together, if everybody brings something, it always, you know, it takes the pressure off the person hosting now I know you'll say she's not a bit mean if you're bringing people for your, your son or daughter's communion you can't expect them to bring a bowl of potato salad with them can you but I do think that's a good way of getting around families getting together rather than it costing as much as it seems to cost certainly for the first holy communion but the children themselves a lot of money good to see though that they are going to save but it doesn't dig down into what proportion of the money was actually spent on the toys and on the clothes and what proportion was actually uh, saved. And is that left to an eight-year-old to decide? Or does the bank of mammy and daddy move in and say, I'm taking this, here you go, here's 50 euro, go to the toy shop, that's all you're spending. I don't know, I suppose it depends. And that will differ from one family to another family. 1850 John Paul taking your course, text WhatsApp 0862 103-103. Now, as we've been mentioning all, mo- all morning, because we've been sending heartiest congratulations to Mallow's James Sugru after winning the British Amateur Championship in Port Monarch. On Saturday, James reached the final and after 36 nail-biting holes, he won the famous title on the 18th green. I'm delighted to say James Sugru joins me. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. All right, congratulations to you. Has the win sunk in yet? Um, I suppose it, it kind of has really um, it's still it's just unbelievable really the last couple of days all the messages and everything that I've been getting it's just unreal and I know um, I was reading a report online they were saying that they, the biggest ever number of people turned out to watch the amateur championship I think there was about 3,000 people there uh, for the final you had huge support from Mallow Golf Club yeah there was um, 
a nice few cars came up from Mallow to be fair uh, there was, the crowds were just unbelievable um, I've never seen any crowds like that on a golf course before and they were they were very respectful and everything so it was great Had you played Port Marnock before? Um, I played a, a few years ago um, I just played nine holes with Darren Clark for this like Champions Weekend kind of a thing so that was only when I was like maybe 15 so it has been a while since I'd played it but <clears throat> yeah it not, not much has changed since then so I still remember a lot of it and but and but the this win on Saturday now opens the door to a lot of things just explain to people what this win means yeah so um next month I get to play in the in the British Open and I get to play in next year's Masters and next year's US Open as well as, as along with um US amateur you get invited to the US amateur as well so yeah, there's a few a few big ones along the way. Does that mean then it postpones any thoughts of turning professional? Yeah, yeah. So um, if I, I was I had planned on turning pro at the end of this year, but if I was to do that, then I couldn't play in the Masters or the uh, U.S. Open. So I'm just going to stay amateur for another year and um, see what happens then. Okay. And how long are you? When did you start playing golf? Uh, probably when I was maybe. Eight, I suppose. Like that would probably be when I first kind of picked up a club and tried to hit a ball. But I suppose competitively, not until I was maybe thirteen or fourteen. Okay, and and obviously this is now what you want. You want to yeah become a yeah, pro. The, yeah, that's all was kind of what I wanted. Um, just to play golf full time and try and make some money from it. So yeah. Well done. And your caddy was uh, Connor Dowling, also from Mallow. Yeah, yeah, Connor also from Mallow. Um, yeah, to be fair, he took the week off work and everything to come up and caddy for me. And <laughs> well done. There was no guarantees that we could have only been there, could have missed the cut and we could have been coming home early, but no, fair play to him for, for taking the week off. And, I mean, you had a, an amazing start. I mean, you were, up, you were five up after nine holes. It looks like this was a walk in the park. And yeah, then at yeah. 15, you were all square. Were, were, you, mm. were, you, were you worried when, when this... And Ewan Walker, isn't it? And, and I'm assuming you know Ewan Walker, do you? Yeah, yeah, I'd be friendly enough with Ewan. So you know his style of golf and you know how good he is. Did you get uh-huh. slightly panicked when you went back to all square on the 15th? Um, slightly, I, was, I kind of... I wasn't I, like I was you know if I was in his shoes I would have been thinking oh you know this is my match now because you know I was I, I had thrown away well not thrown away I didn't really play bad golf he just played he played good golf he made a, he made a nice few birdies and the, in the afternoon session so I'd, not, not that I threw it away but he, he kind of he came back and he played lovely golf to bring it back to all square and thankfully and I'm 17 and uh, 18. A par, pairs were good enough to win the hole. Well done, well done, and right down, went as right down to the wire, right down to the to the 18th. Uh, plans to celebrate in Mallow? Yeah, we went um, straight from there back to Mallow Golf Club. Oh, did you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we didn't get back. I didn't get back there until after just after midnight, and. Um, yeah, we had a few beverages. And Did you? <laughs> okay, well, listen, congratulations. So where, when when are you next back out on the course? Um, next back out, I 
I was supposed to be in Austria today playing European individuals, but I I pulled out after after that because it would just be too much. Absolutely. So next week we have European team championships in Sweden, I think. So that will that will be the next one. Okay, well, good luck. We'll keep a close eye on you. And it's a name we are going to be hearing a lot more of, I guarantee you. Congratulations, James, and thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us. Thank you very much, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye, young uh, James Suguru from Mallow, British amateur champion for this year. And it's what it opens up for him. He definitely is a golfer for the future. 1850-333-103. John Paul takes your calls. I'm, look, I can see some questions coming in for Annalise. Can you keep those coming in, please? Annalise will be joining us probably after half past 12. If you have a question uh, for her, get them in either to John Paul or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Somebody's asking when we were talking about Donnerwell Court and the fact that it's now open, is there a charge? There is. When we did a piece, uh, I know it was free on Saturday, obviously, that was just for the official opening. Uh, Eight euro for adults was the price we were given and I'll have to do a double check on what it is for children and is there a reduction for old age pensioners and students perhaps, but I know for adults uh, the charge to get into Donnerwell Court into the house itself the park is always free and if you want to go for a nice walk around the park that's free but to get into the house itself uh, the charge certainly for adults is €8 Euro. but let me check and we'll see if there's any other uh, charges on it The OPW Donnerwell Court and the admission prices for people that are looking for that €8 Euro for adults as I mentioned for seniors or if you're going in a group you can get a discount you get in for €6 Euro each children that's 12 to 17 the charge is €4 Euro and children under 12 are free and you can get a special family ticket for €20. Euro. And Margaret was on, and I'm assuming that's Margaret who we were speaking to in Donorail about Donorail Court the other day. Anyway, Margaret was on to say that Donorail Court is, is open every day but it's also included on the Free Wednesday which is an initiative operated I think by the OPW. So every month the first Wednesday of every month is free and the first Wednesday of July is the 3rd of July so if there are any is there there's any group or a gang who would like to go you need to book in advance if it's just one person on their own you you don't need to book but if you if you're maybe going as a group of people they suggest giving them a, a ring but Free Wednesday operates every month and it's from the OPW and I'm assuming that's on all OPW sites so you can go along Free Wednesday and it's the first Wednesday of every month. I was unaware of that so thank you for that if you want to go to uh, Donorail Court. I imagine those Wednesdays though would be quite busy there. North Main Street in Bandon is going to remain closed for a further eight weeks as work continues to lay the pipes for the Bandon Water Main and the Sewer Network Project businesses in the area are open as normal and uh, diversions are in place. But please support the businesses. On a, I always feel for businesses when these roadworks go on. We know the roadworks have to happen. We know we have to be patient when these works are happening and people get frustrated when they're delayed or it takes them 20 minutes to get from one side of a town to another side of the town and we all give out and we moan about it. But then when the works are done and dusted, we forget about them and then we're thankful that the works happened in the first place, you know, particularly when it's flood relief or things like that. But really important to have water main and a sewerage network project but businesses really can get really, really discommoded when any of this work 
is going on. So please make sure that you support those businesses. It may mean parking somewhere else and walking to the business, but please do because it's important that we keep those businesses uh, going. And we're getting this doubly checked. Mary from Kilbehany was on to us about her son who got the speeding ticket, 94 kilometres. He's scratching his head. They're all surprised because it's a 100 kilometre zone. A couple of people have started calling John Paul. They reckon that a stretch of that road has changed from 100 kilometres to 80 kilometre. One listener was on to say he updated his sat-nav and when the sat-nav got updated, up popped, because if you you have a sat-nav, the speed limit for the road is on it and suddenly he noticed on the stretch of road it was 80 kilometre. So some people are saying that the speed limit must have changed at some stage in recent weeks. But if so, do they, I mean, surely they have to put signs up to say that. Anyway, we're getting that doubly checked, but that's just come in from some listeners. They just want to acknowledge that people have taken the time to call us on that. 1853. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 33103. We are looking for your questions for Annalise Drussell for the next hour, please. And you can keep your calls and comments coming as well. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And my apologies if I incorrectly said when I was giving out the prices for Donnerail Court, if you're a senior citizen or, or a group, there is a special concession price of six euro. I thought I said six. Six is in front of me, but maybe I inadvertently said uh, eight instead. It's eight for an adult. But if you're a senior citizen or you're going as part of a group, you can get in for six euro. And then, of course, our attention was drawn to the fact that the OPW run a free Wednesday every month and it's the first Wednesday of every month. So the next first Wednesday of the month is going to be the 3rd of July. And that obviously operates. I'll look into that more because I was unaware of that. It operates, I'm assuming, across all OPW sites where they offer a free Wednesday on the first Wednesday of the month. So my apologies, I can see a number of texts coming in saying, I have a brochure here and it says over 60 to Donnerell Court is six euro. It is indeed. So thank you for people for pointing that out. We were talking about First Holy Communions and we were talking about the cost of First Holy Communions with the latest survey that comes out every year from Ulster Bank. They do their communion survey as they they call it and it's showing that families are paying about 
just about a thousand euro on average for the day out and it's up 70 euro on what people paid out last year and the biggest bulk of the money is spent on the actual meal and our drinks that's the largest proportion of it it comes in at about three. if you want to be exact 357 euro on average according to the survey is what the family spend on food and drink and that's roughly the same as it has been for the last number of years that hasn't changed too much and I was wondering about having a nice event and now those events could be at home it could be you know be getting caterers in it could be people catering themselves or it could be going out to fancy restaurant for a slap up meal for all of the family and I suppose it does depend on the size of your family as well and then I was wondering what about everybody mucking in and helping out and do families do that well Mary was on to say Patricia I did a full turkey ham and some beef and other family members did salads some did cakes others did desserts this is what, how we did it for my grandson's first Holy Communion and what a lovely day we all had at home and yes we did have a bouncing castle and all of the young cousins playing on it Mammy had time to be with her boys and baby sister on the morning so all was good family sharing and caring it makes such a difference says uh, Mary it does absolutely it does and you have a lovely day out and I love that idea of you know within families I'm famous for my uh, what I call my rustic potato salad it's, it's kind of my if I'm going to any kind of a family event where we're all mucking in it'll always be I don't even need to be told I'll bring the rustic potato salad I have another sister who's particularly good at lasagnas she doesn't need to be asked she'll turn up with the lasagnas and I think within families you'll get like that you'll always find somebody who's good at doing a cheesecake or somebody who's great at the old banoffee pies and and it's nice I just I do think I do think there's something nice about it and I would hate to see that type of tradition of those kind of get-togethers. It's lovely to go out for a meal. It's wonderful to be served and to be in a nice surrounding. surrounding. I absolutely accept that. But there's also something lovely about having the whole family around and everybody mucking in so it doesn't all fall to one person. I can see, thank you for that, Mary. I can see questions, by the way, coming in for Annalise Drissel. So if you can keep those coming because Annalise will be joining us after half past 12 today. Any question with regard to from a nutritional point of view that you think Annalise, who is a mine of information, will be able to help uh, help you with, get your questions in. Now, earlier I mentioned, and this was a piece that came in from one of our listeners earlier on, and it is to do with a story that's come out of Scotland of a 17-year-old student who was asked to leave his class. And this was when he got into a discussion with his teacher and this young 17 year old was arguing the case that there are only two genders, there's male and female and there's nothing else and he was asked to leave the class because the teacher said you're not being very inclusive by airing your view and for that reason he was asked to leave the class and it's kind of caused a bit of a hoo-ha on social media where people saying you know do young people or anybody doesn't have to be a young person, do people have a right to their views and if this young boy wants to believe and not wants to believe believes there's only two genders there's male and female obviously doesn't want to recognise any lesbian bisexual transsexual transgender pan sexual asexual there's so many different uh, ones now the LGBT has kind of there's there's bits added on to the end of it that I always get a bit confused about but anyway um, some are saying he shouldn't have been asked to leave the classroom and that it was wrong. And that then got me thinking and I wasn't here on Friday, John Paul. Thanks to John Paul, by the way, for 
stepping in for me on uh, Friday. But one of the, the pieces that I was hoping to get to, uh, get to late last week, but I didn't get to it because I was only on for the four days last week, is to do with the County Wicklow Primary School who are introducing the new gender neutral school uniform. I was wondering what people, uh, how people would feel about this. This will allow boys to wear skirts or pinafores is actually what they have, but it also will allow girls to wear trousers. This is coming in from next September. It's St. Bridget's National School. They're in Greystones in County Wicklow. And the new approach is to ensure that any child who is having gender identity issues, the school want them to feel happy and to feel accepted at the school. So if if there's a little boy who's identifying as a girl or there's a little girl who's identifying as a boy, they can wear whatever uniform they want to wear, the boys' uniform or the girls' uniform. That's what this school is doing from September. The school principal said the move actually was prompted by the school's student council. And then obviously it had to be agreed by the board of management and the parents. The principal says, we have children who are questioning their sexual identity. It's happening at an earlier age. We want all of our children to have a happy experience while in school. If that means that girls will wear trousers or boys are wearing the pinafores or the skirts, so be it. She said the most important thing is that children should feel comfortable and should feel happy about how they are dressed. Up to now, the school uniform policy required girls to wear it's a green tartan little pinafore and then the boys wore grey trousers and they had a green jumper. But from next September, all pupils will be allowed to choose whatever one of the options they want. The principal said the reaction to the move has been extremely positive and the school's student council helped to make a very strong case to the board of management for the, for the change. Seemingly what happened was it was a group of students in sixth class went to the principal and said they were aware of a child who was having gender identity issues and that that particular child was under pressure, particularly with wearing the uniform. And this group of sixth class students went and and asked, was there anything could be done about it? So seemingly the principals told the sixth class, go into your research, go and talk to some of the other classrooms, see how they feel and come back. And seemingly this group of boys and girls in sixth class came back with a very strong case which was then put to the board of management and put to parents because they went you know, they didn't interview the very small children I think they took it from third so it was third, fourth, fifth and sixth and they asked them their views on how they felt about boys being allowed to wear the pinafores or girls being allowed to wear the trousers and boys and girls having identity issues and they did all the research, went back to the board of management and the parents and they decided um, that, yeah, this is the way to go. And so the uniforms is is one that's been introduced from September. Also, the school is going to phase out boys' toilets and girls' toilets and they instead are going to replace them with gen- gender-neutral versions. So basically all of the toilets in the school the boys can go in there or the girls can go in there they're going to be gender neutral and belong to which is a group that supports LGBT students uh, uh, said secondary schools in particular are quietly taking a much more progressive approach to school uniform policies on a pupil by pupil basis but this I think is the first time that it's come up in primary school and then somebody from Belong To uh, said adopting uniform policies was easier in mixed schools however they did say the group was aware of some all girls school allowing individual pupils to wear trousers or they could go in the school tracksuit if they really were having identity issues and did not want to wear a skirt or a pinafore. Teachers usually 
usually are very practical people and most times they hear it's all very positive but they do hear of cases where some teachers refuse to call a student by their preferred name or their pronoun and that can be hurtful so that's where somebody who has decided they were born a boy but they identify as a girl say for example their name is John but they want to be called Joanna and they also want to be referred to as she rather than he for some teachers they're absolutely practical people they'll do it but not for all but this is the first primary school I think that we are aware of I certainly have not heard of any other primary school and I was looking it up over the weekend to see there's a very positive reaction certainly the school itself is getting a very positive reaction and there seemed to be a good positive reaction online though there was some negativity to it as well and some people saying that for primary school you know by allowing the the students to decide themselves whether they're boys or girls. Sometimes it can be too young. You know, if you're talking about pri- children going into primary school at five into junior infants, you know, but if some, if you speak to some trans, uh, transsexual people, they will tell you they knew even before they were five that they were a boy in a girl's body or a girl in a boy's body. So, you know, is, is it ever too early? I don't know. But this certainly is the first school in the country to do this, St. Bridget's National School in Greystones. Well, they're the first in the country to go public about doing it, about saying that as and from next year, children will be allowed to decide what uniform they want to wear and whether they want to identify as boys or girls and they'll be accepted at, by the school. The one thing I would worry about, though, and it's very proactive of the school to do this, and to do it based on the research from their own students who are saying there are students, at least one in the school, who's having gender identity uh, issues. What happens then when they go on to secondary school? Will the secondary school in that area be as open to the idea as the primary school was? And God knows we've seen enough horrendous stories come out about uh, bullying. We would always be afraid, would we not, with uh, bullying, that um, if they stand out, you know, would they be bullied? Um, we'd always, that would be my one big fear my one big fear because anyone who stands out as being any way different they become the target I mean we were only talking about bullying last week in connection with the Anacresian case and we know the awful story of bullying that came out during the court case and from her parents talking about how she was bullied and she was bullied because she was different and different in what way? Different because she was very tall for her age. And also she was picked on for being different because she was adopted, which I found one of the saddest parts of Anna Creasel's bullying story. I thought was when they, I would never have thought any child would be picked on for being adopted. And she was. And, uh, you know, people wrote on her Facebook account that she had fake parents and you know so you just think my God when you look at all of the other children who are blessed to be adopted and who are so happy in their adoptive families I would never have thought that that would be a reason for being different and a reason for being picked on so that's what I would worry about with this neutral uniform policy I can see where the schools are coming from they're trying to make sure that all children going to their school feel comfortable and feel uh, happy and if they don't feel happy in the way they're dressed that's why they're you know reaching out and doing this but you, you just you would worry about the children 185033 103 lines open. This Wednesday on C103's Court Today Show, we'll be speaking with a representative from Awalia. 
Awalia is a scheme to help homeowners find a resolution to their home mortgage arrears. It provides vouchers for free financial and legal advice and help from experts which are available through MABS. If you have been through the Awalia scheme and would like to share your story, or if you're looking for advice, email corktoday at c103.ie. Then listen in this Wednesday at 11.45am only on C103. And by the way, we're still trying to check into the road that uh, Mary spoke to us about, that her son, it's the road going into Mitchellstown that her son got caught speeding on. He's of the belief it's 100 kilometres. She said it's just outside of Kilbehany. She's on that road every day. She lives in that area. She says it's 100 kilometres and he's after getting a speeding ticket for travelling at 94 kilometres. And then some people are saying, has the speed limit changed on the road we're trying to get that checked at the moment. We're working uh, on that. Uh, others are, are saying the speed limit has changed on other roads. But surely if that's the case and a speed limit gets changed on a road, they have to clearly put up signs to tell you that the speed limit, they can't just decide to change a speed limit and not have extra signs up even to let people know. Whatever about somebody new coming to the, into an area you're looking out for the speed limits. But people who live in an area need to be forewarned that today it's 100 kilometres and by the way from tomorrow it's gone down to 80. So I, I would be surprised if it's changed and nobody in the area was told about it. So we're looking into it. We're basically are looking into it at the moment and somebody's saying what road was it? It's the N73 Mitchellstown to Kilbehany Road. We are looking into it. On the car batteries car batteries and electric cars what's this oh this is I'm assuming this is to do with diesel cars and petrol cars and switching over to electric cars John in Mallow uh, was on and uh, says to hear people complaining about the car batteries and the electric cars and that your car battery will die uh, you will die if you're you know the battery dies if you're going somewhere and you won't be able to get to your destination if you go on a, a, an app it'll show you the planes that fly overhead on a flight radar it shows up all the planes that are overhead at any one time he said at times it's like a car park up there and what are they burning fuel wise well diesel obviously and what is going up into the air as pollution no one's mentioning planes ah John what do you mean nobody's mentioning planes everybody mentions planes when we're talking about people's carbon footprint when we're told to reduce our carbon footprint the first thing we're told to do is to reduce our air miles everyone accepts when you get on a plane you are hugely increasing your carbon footprint so no I, I disagree with you when when you say no one's mentioning it it's one of the greatest things that gets mentioned when you're talking about climate change and reducing your carbon footprint 1850 also coming into us on let me see on uh, WhatsApp okay on the piece that I did when I mentioned about the County Wicklow Primary school. It's a Bridges National School in Greystone. Somebody's saying, What school is it? Uh, some saying, Well done to that school in County Wicklow. Greystone's in uh, County Wicklow. They are certainly being all inclusive of their pupils. I wonder, will others follow suit? That's from Lucy. Why, Tim says, What a load of nonsense regarding gender, the gender neutral topic and what's happening in that school do not agree with it and there's a really good one in on gender dysphoria and bullying Patricia I heard all about this about children at a young age having gender dysphoria children being born boys and girls and not 
and deciding in their heads that they are the opposite sex. So I did a quick Google search and I came up with some basic science, science-backed information. As what I, when I heard about this story on the radio, it seemed to be all hearsay, hearsay. So here's a little snippet about gender dysphoria and this is backed up scientifically with research, etc. Several studies have tracked the persistence of gender dysphoria in children as they grow. For example, a Dr. Richard Green, he did a study of young boys with gender dysphoria back in the 1980s and he found that only one of the 44 boys with gender dysphoria, these are 44 boys who were identifying when they were children, they were identifying as girls. By the time they reached adolescence or adulthood, only one out of the 44 actually had gender dysphoria. And then there's another study that came out of the VU University Medical Centre in the Netherlands. And they reported that in a group of 77 young people aged 5 to 12, who had all had gender dysphoria at the start of the study, 70% of the boys and 36% of the girls were no longer gender dysphoric after an average of 10 years of a follow-up. Are we, says this texter, setting up our children to change gender despite there being a developmental issue that they often may just grow out of? And I suppose... For parents who find themselves in that situation, and it must be a very scary place to be for any parent to hear their child say, their little boy say, I feel like a girl, or to hear a little girl say, I feel like a boy. I'm assuming in the majority of cases that parents support their young son or daughter through that period. And for some Maybe, yeah, maybe it is gender dysphoria. Maybe it actually gets recognised and they get diagnosed as gender dysphoria. But as this stud, two studies, this listener has pointed out, for others, they may grow out of it. And I mean that in the kindest way, because I know for somebody who's going through it at the moment, they'll say to you, please don't tell me to grow out of it. This is the way I, I, I feel. But a study has shown that some do as they get older, they no longer identify as having a gender dysphoria. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can 86 OK, we're going to take a break and we are back with Annalise Drussell answering all of your nutritional questions. That's after the break. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Some of your comments coming in. Willie in Waterford. This is on speeding and what is the speed limit on a particular road and how are you supposed to know if you're new to the area? Uh, Willie says every single speed limit should be illuminated. Half the signposts are hidden behind trees, covered in moss or blocked by ditches. Particularly at night time, you can't see them as they're not illuminated. I'm surprised more road safety campaigners are not on about this. And that's from Willie in Waterford. On the match, Jim says, Hi Patricia, I think the referee was unfair to Cork and the free count will prove that. But Cork had enough chances, especially goal chances. But hopefully Cork football turned a corner and have improved and will get to the Super 8s. That's from Jim. Thank you, Jim. And just by the way, the lady that contacted us earlier who sent in the lovely picture of her bird house in the garden, 
and was looking for advice because she said there was a nest of bees and you could see through the little, you know, the tiny circular hole that the birds are meant to fly into. You could see it's jam-packed out with, with some kind of a hive has been built. And I was wondering, are you sure it's bees? Could it be wasps? Anyway, and I wanted to know where she was because if it was bees, we could try and get a local beekeeper. And the lady's been back on to say that she's in the Canturk area and she can now confirm it's wasps that are nesting there and she's just got stung. Oh, you poor thing. Um, so my, certainly my advice and if anybody else in the Canturk area can help us, please do come forward. Failing that, get onto pest control. You need to get the professionals in. Do not attempt to remove that wasp's nest yourself. If anybody else can offer help or advice to somebody in the Canturk area with this hive inside in a birdhouse in the garden, 1850 Calls please now for Annalise Drissel, a nutritional therapist. You can call John Paul, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And Annalise from the Health of Times Square and Ballincollig joining me. Good afternoon, Janelise. Good afternoon. Uh, and, and you're welcome. Let me start straight away with Michael in Moscarbury, who is complaining that he has a cough that he just can't shake. He reckons he's had it for at least the last five months. He's been to the doctor numerous occasions, uh, but nothing is shifting it. Any advice, please, from Annalise? Lingering cough. Yeah, and you know what? It's not an uncommon complaint, really, Patricia, because I think there was a particularly nasty virus around this winter and it was very sticky. And I had many people who would shift it, be fine for, you know, up to 80% for a week or two, and then it would come back again. And it was like a recurrent thing that neither antibiotics or rest even shifted. So really it's all about, if it's definitely coming from the chest, it's all about supporting the immune system. And there's a couple of things that he could try. Um, certainly the Dr. Delish Clare Chest and Sinus Blend, I'd recommend that because it's great for kind of drying up mucus if there's any mucus left over in the chest. And also it's full of immune-boosting herbs like echinacea and astragalus and lots more. So that's a really powerful um, one that you could try. The other thing that I find wonderful as well is something called olive leaf extract. So it's not from the actual olives of the tree. It's from the leaves of the olive tree. It's very bitter. And the best way to take it is in a liquid. I know a company called Comvita do it. You should be able to get it in any health shop. And that's a fantastic, again, antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal. So it's a brilliant one, not just to boost the immune system, but just to kill off any lingering virus. And I think that's what happens. You know, there is a theory that we never fully get rid of viruses, Patricia, that our immune system just deals with them and they still remain at some level in um, a cellular level. And I think with this particular virus this winter, it does seem to have been very, very hard to shift and can rear its head then when people get busy or haven't been eating very well. Okay, good luck with that, uh, Michael. Hi. Uh, question for Annalise, please. I'm due my baby in August. Congratulations. After I had my last baby, I lost a lot of hair to the extent that I was completely bald in the front of my head. Is there anything that I can take that may avoid this happening again? I'm hopefully going to be breastfeeding, so it'll have to be safe for baby too. Thanking you and that's from Paula. Yeah, it's a definitely it's a hormonal thing, Patricia. Um, it's very common for pregnant women or after having had a baby to lose their hair. And I suppose from uh, from the, the perspective of breastfeeding as well, all the nutrition goes into the breast milk and mothers' bodies often suffer. So it's important when you're breastfeeding to make sure you're eating good, healthy food with plenty of calcium as well so that it doesn't affect your bones. And then in terms of the hair, something that's safe, I think the Norcrin is brilliant. We talk about this 
quite frequently on the programme, Patricia, because it's one of the ones I've found best for thinning hair. Um, and it's spelled N-O-U-R-K-R-I-N. And it's a marine type of a protein that they have discovered can switch the little hair follicles back into growth mode again. And there is, I think, a post-pregnancy one. So that would definitely be safe as well during breastfeeding. There'd be nothing in that that would affect the baby. Um, the other thing as well is to maybe drink horsetail tea. That's wonderful for not just um, growing your hair, but for the quality of your hair as well, if you notice your hair is suffering. And if you drink it in the tea as opposed to taking it in a supplement, that would be safe for the baby as well. Okay, a Femoy listener says, Hi, question for Annalise. What does she think of Salus Plus air purifiers? Are they any good? I don't even know whether you know what that is. Um, I don't I don't know those now, actually, Patricia. I know that Dyson do a fantastic um, air purifier that's very expensive, but very, very effective. So I'm always a great believer in if you're going to spend money on something, spend as much as you can afford on the best one, mm. because then you'll only have to buy once and it'll do the job it's supposed to do. So I'm not familiar with that Salus House one. There is a company called Salus that make things like Floridex and they actually do the horsetail tea and other ones. And overall, if it's the same company, their products are of excellent quality. So in that case, if it's the same company, I'm sure it's a very good product. But I do know myself, having looked at air purifiers, that the Dyson is one at the top of the range. Okay, a listener is going for her driving test next week, is a nervous wreck and is Mm. fearful that the nerves are going to get to her. It's her second attempt. She definitely reckons nerves got to her the first time round. What would, is there anything she could take that wouldn't obviously affect the driving at the same time? Yeah, so I think the relaxed blend, the Dr. Delish Claire relaxed blend. Actually, she was in the shop on Friday, Patricia, and it was a great success. Yeah, great. And one of the tips she gave, and she said there's less alcohol in a, in a five mil serving of her tinctures than there would be in a banana. Okay. So very, very little alcohol. It definitely won't affect your ability to drive. But if you were in, if you were worried about it, what you could do is you could put the teaspoon into a cup and pour over a little bit of boiling water and wait for it to cool down and the boiling water will evaporate off any alcohol there is in it and it won't affect the quality of the herbs. So the Dr. Delish Claire relaxed blend, it'll take the edge off, it won't affect her ability, in fact it'll improve her ability to focus and concentrate and uh, it'll be safe in terms of alcohol for driving. Okay, and is it good for any situation like that where you're feeling nervous about yeah, stuff? Yeah, great. Like, I have a lot of people taking it for numbers of reasons. So, Patricia, people who suffer from anxiety take it. They would take it regularly throughout the day. People who are looking to come off anxiety medication find it a great support. Uh, people take it before going to bed to stop the busy brain, before getting on a flight, before a driving wow. test or an exam. So there's loads of reasons. I actually took it myself on Friday morning because it was hectic and mental with all the people in the shop and everything else going on and I felt a bit stressed so I took it and well sure done. I failed through everything then. Well right. done, well done. <laughs> and you practice what you preach which is good to hear. Exactly. Okay, hi Annelise, could you suggest anything for groin pain? Well, the first thing is definitely go and get that checked out. Um, so it could be a number of things I suppose, Patricia, now I wouldn't know, I wouldn't be an expert in um, the muscle, you know, physiotherapy area. It could be mm. pulled muscle. Groin strain is very common especially if you've been lift, lifting but you need to make sure, you know, have, I suppose, have a good explore yourself and make sure there's no strange lumps or anything. Um, sometimes, you know, we do have lymph um, nodes in the groin, Patricia, and they can swell sometimes. Um, so it might just be an immune system thing um, if it's a regular occurrence, um, in which case it's about immune support. But I think the first thing is to, um, you know, figure out, is it a recent in- thing and can you tie it back to an injury, in which case, it's groin strain and then I think really just taking Arnica tablets is probably one of the best 
ways of any internal muscular injury to fix that. And if it's not due to a recent injury, go and get it checked out in your doctor just to be sure that there's nothing Absolutely. else going on. Absolutely. Michael in Skibbereen. Hi, Annelise. Would you have any cure for acid reflux? Yes, absolutely, Patricia, and people do not have to suffer with it. So um, the first thing I probably think is uh, would be the best to try would be the Slippery Elm. So Slippery Elm comes from a tree. It's kind of a mucilage type of a powder. You mix it into water and you'll see it all goes gloopy. So when you drink it down, it actually coats all the lining of your esophagus and your stomach with this lovely kind of mucilage and protects it from stomach acid that's released once you start to eat. It's also very healing, acts as a great kind of, um, not a laxative as such, but a great fibre in terms of the bowel and feeds the healthy bacteria. So it's not just good for the upper part of the digestive tract, it's good for the lower. So that's one thing to try. The second thing as well is something called zinc carnosin. It's spelled C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N. And that's a great supplement to try and tighten up that little sphincter muscle at the top of the stomach to prevent the acid from escaping. And then the last thing to try would be a herb called Centaurium. It's spelled C-E-N-T-A-U-R-I-U-M. And any of those three things you should be able to get in any local health shop. And the combination of all three would be good to try uh, for the first month and then maybe just drop one and continue on two and see how you get on. But often it's um, it's very manageable just with the slippery arm on its own. Okay, Dee wants to know, is baby shampoo any good for dandruff? I've tried everything. <laughs> It depends, I suppose. Is it the dandruff on the baby? Is it like a cradle cap thing, or is it, um, you know, a person's, uh, an adult's dandruff? I would imagine like it's an. Uh, imagine it's an adult. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, she's well, just wondering would baby shampoo because she's tried everything else. Yeah. Well, the baby shampoo, like the Johnson's No Tears baby shampoo, Patricia. I remember my sister and myself trying it out in the bath, and our eyes stinging like hell. So yeah. a lot of the. Uh, ones you buy in supermarkets still have quite a few chemicals in them. Um, you might get a very gentle baby shampoo or a natural shampoo in the health shop that hasn't got sodium lauryl sulfate. And often dandruff is a reaction to sodium lauryl sulfate that you might be you know, allergic to it and it creates a dermatitis type of a niche dry scalp. So that would be the first step, switch to a sodium lauryl sulfate free shampoo. The other thing that's fantastic for dandruff, if it's a fungal thing, is grapefruit seed extract. Now it comes in drops and what you can do um, is just put about 10 or 15 drops in some warm water, a little bit of warm water, massage it into your scalp and leave it on for about 15, 20 minutes before washing your hair as normal. And if you do that until it clears up, after that you can just add the few drops in with your shampoo every time you're washing your hair and it'll keep that dandruff at bay. And it might be something you need to do long term, Patricia, or it might just clear it up and you may have no problem again. A few calls on about, you mentioned anxiety. Could Annalise give the name of the item that she suggested for anxiety? That's the Dr. Delish Clare one. Yeah, so it's the Dr. Delish Clare Relax Blend. There's a couple of other things, Patricia, that can work well as well. So the um, cannabis oil, the CBD oil, uh, I'm getting very good feedback on that. People are noticing a benefit of that very quickly. And what I like about the CBD oil is that I think it works at a more granular level to kind of stabilise mood, whereas the Dr. Delish Clare one is absolutely wonderful, but it will wear off. Um, So that's a great one to take as and when you need it. But I think the cannabis oil taken twice a day can work really well, you know, just one drop twice a day. It'll work really well uh, for anxiety. But then there's all the other health benefits that come with cannabis oil. Like there's definitely an anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer component to it as well. So that'll do a few different jobs. 
Um, also, some people find that Melissa, which is also called lemon balm, that's wonderful for calming anxiety. Some people find that the um, Avena sativa, which comes from oats, is another calming one, or Passiflora. So the Dr. Delish Clare is lovely because it has nearly all of these in her blend. But you will find in any health shop, if they don't have her blend, they will have the Passiflora or the Avena sativa or they will have a cannabis oil and you, it's worth trying any and this, of those. The CBD oil now is, is pretty easy to get, isn't it? It's very easy to get, Patricia, but you know there's so many of them on the market now, it's quite um, confusing for people um, to know which one is a good quality one. And I would have some customers who've tried other brands and don't seem to get a benefit. The one that I stock in the shop is called Cannabi Gold. And I've chosen it because I've done a lot of research on, you know, the way that it's, um, the way that they source the raw material, the way that they process it without any chemicals. It's also externally evaluated so you know exactly what you're getting. Well, you need to be strength. careful. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's a good quality one. So make sure it's a good quality one. Okay, and I'm wondering would the, the CBD oil help Breathe? Breathe says, for the last few years, she noticed come September, her mood starts to drop. Could uh, Annalise suggest what she could take uh, and uh, yes. when? It's a bit of sad, isn't it? Seasonal affective disorder? It sounds, yeah, exactly, Patricia. It sounds like a bit of like that to me, but September even is quite early to get it mm. now because, you know, generally we do get a bit of vitamin D in the summer and it tends to last us. I always think clock change to clock change for vitamin D. So by the end of October, when the clocks are changing, generally your vitamin D stores will have been depleted from the summer. But again, you know, lots of people are wearing high factor to protect themselves from the sun. So it's possible that Breeda wouldn't have built up enough stores. So the first thing to do, I think, is to go and get her vitamin D levels checked in September. It can be part of a standard blood test. I know a lot of doctors don't like to do it because actually it is quite an expensive test to do. But it's worth knowing what it is so that you can take the right dose to elevate your D. So for Breda, get your vitamin D levels checked in, in September. And then if it's, you know, if it's quite low after the summer, then at that stage, take at least 3,000 IUs. You may need to take up to 25,000 IUs per week. Often doctors will prescribe that for people. Um, and then once you've taken the supplement for a, for a month or so, um, either you'll be feeling better. And if you're not feeling better, go in and get your vitamin D levels checked again, because maybe that's not a high enough dose. Okay, acne in a 14-year-old boy. Can, can you suggest any so, remedies? Oh, yeah, I know. It's awful. And you know what, Patricia? We all had spots growing up, but yeah. at least we didn't have to take selfies every 30 That's seconds. That's true. And yeah, so, you know, we all had spots. Nobody did anything about it. it was, we got over it. But now I can understand it's horrible for teenagers. Um, they're held up, such ideals of beauty are held up in front of them and they're constantly being photographed. It's a difficult one, Patricia, because it is hormonal, so it is an internal thing, and diet has a massive part to play. Um, sugar is really lethal for acne, and sometimes dairy products as well can be bad because there is actually, you know, there's hormones from the cow's breast milk hormones in there um, that can affect our own hormones by taking in dairy. So I would suggest cutting out those, but then, like teenagers trying to get them to clean up their diet, is near impossible. So the next step then would be to take... Um, to use a product actually I find works well in the shop is called Salcura is the name of the company that make it and it's called Antiac A-N-T-I-A-C and it comes in a face wash and a kind of a, a moisturising spray and there is a gel that you can put directly on spots and it, there's no nasties in there it's perfectly natural and it works exceptionally well so that would be the first step and then if that's not working I think then maybe go and visit a proper herbalist and get something to rebalance the hormones and get the liver working to excrete old hormones. 
um, and that's probably the best advice for acne. Sometimes as well, laser treatment can be really good, Patricia, if it's that cystic acne, you know, where you get those very deep spots that leave terrible scars. Mm. Um, and laser therapy is wonderful for that. So go to a reputable aesthetic clinic or a beautician that has a good quality laser and get a couple of laser treatments will help too. Okay, we leave it there, Annalise. Have a great week. Thank you Actually, for that. Patricia, yeah. just one very quick thing. Last week there was a question about a lymphatic drainage massage and a lovely customer told me that in Cork there is a lymphatic drainage clinic called the Lymph Clinic and it's run by highly, highly trained professionals that have a lot of medical background as well. And it's in Cork, it's in the Pink Clinic, so if people Google the Lymph Clinic, they will find that. Brilliant, clinic. brilliant. Thank you for that. Right. Have Thanks a lovely week. We'll talk again next week. That's Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. And just back to our WASP problem with our listener who's ended up having a, what now we've worked out as WASPs nesting in her birdhouse in her garden. A listener says we had to call in Rent-A-Kill for a wasp nest in our garden last year. There was a nest in the roof right outside our back door. They were viciously protecting the nest to the point that we couldn't even open our windows. And I think always the advice whenever we're dealing with wasps or our hive of bees is get the experts in. Now, Mary said that she said there's a foam you can buy in some co-op stores and you spray it in and it foams up and kills them to get rid of them. Uh, I still wouldn't be touching anything like that, Mary, unless it was a very small amount of bees or wasps that you were dealing with. But certainly this is an actual full wasps nest that uh, our listener has uh, in the garden. But thank you for your information to 0862 103 103. That's what I leave you for today. And thanks to John Paul. C103 Anthems. Man, I feel like a woman. The biggest songs of all time. C103 Anthems. Love is in the air. Everywhere I look around. Songs that continue to inspire generations. Anthems. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's greatest hits. C103.